inspiration. I can do anything. Education. Let's do this. And application. Oh boy, this is going to be good. Welcome to Like It Matters Radio. Keeping us out of the water hazard with some truth therapy and teeing up solutions for today's big issues. Here's your life caddy, Mr. Scott B. Black. So welcome to the world of Mr. Black. Welcome to the podcast of Living Life Like It Matters. On today's show, I'm going to give you a couple great tools so that you can be the steward of your mind. Because the battle is in between the stimulus and the response. The battle truly is in the mind. And today, I'm going to equip you for that battle. Welcome to Living Life Like It Matters. Today on Living Life Like It Matters, we want to show you how you are the mental steward of what goes on in your head. The battle is truly in the mind. And so we must control what happens inside the space between the stimulus and the response. Dr. Viktor Frankl said between the stimulus and the response, there's a space. And in that space is our power. It is our freedom. And so today I want to give you some of that power back. I want to give you a little bit of that freedom back. Because it is a war going on. If you look at what's going on in America, uh, mental health problems, mental health issues, uh, spousal abuse, uh, child abuse, alcohol abuse, drug abuse. Uh, Man, it was bad before the pandemic. We had close to 50 million Americans struggling with mental health issues. And now since the pandemic, man, it's gotten a lot, lot, lot worse. And why does this matter? Because we dictate how we feel. We dictate our state of mind. We got to quit blaming everybody else for what's going on in our head because it is under our control. It is our stewardship, if you will. And if I was Michael J. Fox or if I had a DeLorean and if I could go back in time, I would find a little me, a little four or five-year-old me, I would get down on one knee and I would tell that little me the one piece of sage advice that at 55 years old I wish I had at five years old. And that advice is this. Be careful what you allow into your head. Be careful what you keep in your head. And be careful of how you explain what you've been through in your head. Because those three things truly do dictate how we feel. That's our state of mind, how we feel. And if you look at the field of epigenetics, epigenetics, Dr. Caroline Leaf has done a lot of work in that field of epigenetics. She says that basically 87% of diseases are psychosomatic. Matter of fact, from the book, Who Switched Off My Brain, here's a quote. Research shows that around 87% of illnesses can be attributed to our thought life and approximately 13% to diet, genetics, and environment. Studies conclusively link more chronic diseases, known as lifestyle diseases, to an epidemic of toxic proportions in our culture. These toxic emotions can cause migraines, hypertension, strokes, cancer, skin problems, diabetes, infections, and allergies, just to name a few. 
Despite all the marvels of modern high-tech medicine and decades of innovative research, these illnesses are increasing worldwide. That's why I do this radio show. That's why I do our leadership training at likeitmatters.net. Because we are at a time and a place where this is a clarion call. You know, as I deal with successful people around the globe, I'm amazed at how we all struggle similarly. We live in a world that is living in their heads. A world in deep thought, meeting and discussing and thinking. But consider what is thinking. Thinking is talking to yourself. Think about that. It is self-talk. And large parts of depression can be traced back to the way we talk to ourselves. Our thoughts, our self-talk, is driven by our beliefs and wrapped up in our emotions. It is a simple pattern and identifiable if you have eyes to see and ears to hear. That's why we must be the steward of what's going on in our head. It reminds me of a story about a pastor He was going to a Billy Graham prayer meeting somewhere in Canada, just north of Washington State. He flew into Seattle, met up with some other gentleman going to the same conference. They wanted to travel together to keep costs down and to build some relationships. So they drove for a bit, you know, a few hours, and came to the Canadian border crossing. Now, just to be honest, all all honesty up front, I have never been to the Canadian border crossing. But I have been to the southern border crossing. I have entered back in the U.S. many times from Mexico. Matter of fact, I've done numerous trainings, I think about a dozen trainings in Mexico, including a few in Reynosa. And what I would do is I'd fly into McAllen, Texas, and then I would have a driver from Maytag or, or one of my other companies. Takata was another big company of mine. And they would meet me at my hotel in McAllen. And they would take me across the border. They would drive me through. And then they would drive me back at the end of class into the U.S. after class was over. And at the border crossing, they stop every single car. And they ask questions of you and stare you down a bit, you know, making sure that everything's on the up and up. It can be a long line requiring patience. And even if you've done nothing wrong, it can be somewhat intimidating. So going back to our story. So here they were, they were in this line waiting to get to the front to be asked the standard questions as they wanted to enter into Canada. So the vehicle got to the front of the line and the Border Patrol agent asked the standard questions. Where are you from? Where are you going? How long will you be here? Uh, Where will you be staying? And the final question was this. Have you ever had a felony or a DUI? Now, each person had answered the questions individually. When they got to this gentleman, the story, he paused, and he said this. See, 13 years ago, when I was lost and had done some very bad things, I did the drugs and the drunken stupor thing, and I had gotten a DUI. It was a long time ago, and I don't even believe it's on my record. But I wanted to be honest. After all, I was going to a prayer conference, uh, and I was with a vehicle with a group of pastors. So he shared with her that information. That long time ago, he got a DUI, but it's not on his record, he believes. But just in case for some reason it does show up, I wanted to be honest. So he told her that, and with that, she told them to pull off the side, park, and come inside. So they did as they were told. Now, he's thinking, what have I done to these men? You know, when they went inside, the lady proceeded to tell the gentleman the following. 
she said that Canada won't allow you in because uh, if you have a DUI. She said the U.S. is hard on Canadians when they come into the U.S., so she can't just allow him into Canada. Now, he was shocked. He again told her that it wasn't even on his record. If she would please check, she wouldn't be able to find it. So right in front of the gentleman, she punched in his info on the computer screen. He could see that the screen, and and as he said, nothing came up. It was blank. So she typed in some other stuff, and again, nothing came up. She told him that she needed to go talk to a supervisor. So she walked away. Now, why she walked away, he considered how he was going to get back to the hotel and fly back home early on his own. As he was thinking about what he was going to do, he watched this lady go over to a different part of the office. She approached a plexiglass window that was a half window. She stood there in their plain sight. And after about 30 seconds, she came back. She talked to nobody. She must have been the supervisor herself. After she came back, she said that she would need to do some paperwork, and that would cost him $90. And then he could go ahead and enter. Now, the only paperwork that was done was the paperwork to run his credit card for $90. It was one of those old-fashioned credit card papers that you you know write on something that bought something. You, you just hand-wrote a few things, and then you have that little hand-operated machine. You slide it across, you know, uh, and it basically makes an imprint of the credit card. So many of us have a, this Canadian immigration person in our heads. Someone who is constantly reminding us of our past. A voice that limits us from going forward. A voice of feeling a reason to not dream big, to not create a bigger, where am I going? So we limit ourselves. We don't get in the car and take that chance. We see an obstacle. We start doubting. And then that person says, you got a DUI 13 years ago. You can't do this. You can't handle this. You have failed in the past and you'll probably do it again. Who are you to be able to do this? There are people that are better than you at this. That What makes you think you can do this? Do you see? Where else have we misfiled our past into our future? Where in your life are you allowing your past to dictate what you do or do not do in your present and thus limiting your future? That's why we must be good mental stewards. We'll be right back. Take a listen to this comparison of other training to Leadership Awakening. For probably two-thirds of my 30-year law enforcement career, I spent time in supervision and management, so I've been to a lot of leadership training. Been there, done that, got the t-shirt. I went to a leadership course in California where I worked, and it's an eight-month program. I went through that program. I went back later on as a facilitator, so I, I taught leadership. What we did in class was completely different than any other leadership program that I've been through. I mean, in 48 hours of leadership training in your program, it was just, it was dynamic. It was intense. It was powerful. You know, it was was amazing. It was amazing. Leadership Awakening. Change your heart. Change your mind. Change your life. Go to likeitmatters.net slash schedule for the next Leadership Awakening. In the study of transactional analysis, Dr. Eric Byrne 
in the 60s wrote a great book called The Games People Play. And in there, he identified roughly 140 psychological games that every single human being's playing. Nobody's winning, but everybody's keeping score. And really, in that transactional analysis, we learn our power, our freedom. Remember, there's a stimulus and a response. And together, that creates a transaction. And a transaction is simply communication. Someone says something or does something, and then someone responds to it. But one thing I learned a long time ago is people don't respond to reality. We don't respond to what is really going on. We respond to what we believe is going on. And again, as I say all the time in my training, it really doesn't matter what happens to us in life. What matters is what happens in us. See, it doesn't matter what happens to us in life. What matters is how does it codify it? How do we explain it to ourselves? That's the key. And once you realize that key, everything changes because between the stimulus and the response, there's a space. And in that space is our power and our freedom, Dr. Viktor Frankl said. This is why we must be a good steward of what goes into our head. We've got to be like the Canadian immigration officer. Now, I would love to say we've got to be like a U.S. immigration officer. But let's be honest, under President Joe Biden, uh, there's chaos at the border. That basically you can claim uh, any reason at all uh, for seeking asylum, uh, and he's going to let you in here. And then he's going to let you into the country and maybe have a hearing date at court or not, uh, and you'll never show up again. And then we have all these undocumented people in America that vote, that take tax money, that do all this stuff, uh, even though they're not supposed to. And so this is where, you know, I can't say be a good U.S. immigration officer because basically the, 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 the hands have been tied of our immigration officers. Uh, there is no law at the border anymore. Basically, if you want to get in this country, come in through the southern border, whether you're a, from the Middle East, uh, whether you're a sex pr predator or a sex trafficker, uh, whether you're a convicted felon, none of that matters because we just opened up our southern border. Uh, and the p clear reason is for the Democratic Party to change the electorate. It's very clear. Uh, their, their goal is a one-party electorate where the Democratic Party runs the entire government. Uh, and be careful, one-party rule. That's where we're going, but be careful. And so just like that immigration officer's job is to, to you know, only allow good people into this country or people that are acceptable uh, to keep bad people out of this country, and thirdly, make sure that once people get into this country, that they abide by the laws of this country. They, they conform. They become part of our culture. And that's really what we want to do in our, in our mind's eye as well. It reminds me of a story I heard a while ago. A carpenter uh, was hired to help someone restore an old farmhouse that had just finished a, a rough day on the job. And so this, this carpenter had a flat tire, made him lose an hour of work, his electric saw quit, and now his ancient truck refused to start. And so this gentleman drove him home as he sat in stony silence. On arriving, he invited that gentleman in to meet his family, and as he walked toward the front door, he paused briefly at a small tree outside of his house, right off, uh, right off the porch from his front door. Touching the tips of the branches with both hands, he paused and seemed to mutter a few words. When opening the door, he underwent an amazing transformation. 
His tan face was wreathed in smiles, and he hugged his two small children and gave his wife a kiss. Afterward, he walked me to the car. We passed the tree, and my curiosity got the better of me, so I asked him about what I had seen him do earlier. Okay, he said, that's my trouble tree. I know I can't help having troubles on the job, but one thing for sure, troubles don't belong at home with my wife and the children. So every day, as I come home, I just hang them up on the tree. Then in the morning, I pick them back up. Funny thing is, he smiled, when I come out in the morning to pick them up, there aren't nearly as many as I remember hanging up the night before. And that is so key, so key, because we need to take control. Again, when Jesus Christ was crucified, he said seven things on the cross. And I would believe being crucified as being squeezed by life. It's like the sponge. You know, whatever we allow into our experience as a sponge, when life squeezes, that's what comes out of us. In my leadership training, it's pretty intense. And sometimes people say, well, you made me angry. Well, you shut me down. Well, you made me, um, uh, you know, become quiet. Uh, You made me uh, uh, hide behind wall. Whatever. I mean, here a lot. You did this to me. You did this to me. You made me feel this way. Ladies and gentlemen, we can't make another person feel anything. Remember, between the stimulus and the response, there's a space. And in that space is our power and our freedom. We do not respond to what another person says or does. We respond to our narrative about what we believe they said and why we believe they said it. So we don't really respond to what is happening to us. We respond to what we believe is happening to us. And that can be a great deal of difference. And so we must be a steward of what we allow in our heads, what we keep in our heads, And then how we explain things that are part of our experience to ourselves. And that word steward is interesting because steward is someone who manages property or others' affairs for someone else. That's just a fascinating definition. The battles in the mind. The good book is filled filled with different verses where Abba Father, God the Father, tells us to to be careful what we allow in our head. Romans 12, 2 is the most famous, right? to transform your thinking, to not conform to the ways of this world. But there's lots of other ones, to hold your thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ, to only focus on those things that are good and positive. There are lots of implications, lots of implorations, if you will, where God is telling us to be careful about what we focus on, because from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, and we are told to, to guard our heart. Because the issues of life stem from there. We must be a good steward. A steward is like a chamberlain, an officer who manages the household of a king or nobleman. It's like a fiduciary, a person who holds assets in trust for the beneficiary. A steward technically is a ship's officer who's in charge of provisions and dining arrangements. Isn't that great? How about steward is an attendant or an airplane steward, an attendant on an airplane, right? Steward is a union member who's elected to represent fellow workers in negotiations with management. Steward is one having charge over buildings or grounds or animals. 
a custodian, a keeper, a defender, a guardian, a protector, a shielder, a caretaker, right? That is what we are supposed to do and be with that stuff going into our heads. And so what I want to go today is give you three things, three things that you can do and three three things you must do. If you're going to be the steward of your mental health, if you're going to be a steward of what happens between the stimulus and the response, then you must know these three things. They're critical. And so after the break, we're going to go through what are those three things and why are they so important? Because epigenetics teaches us that we are basically a community of 300 trillion cells, all driven by our environment. And you can read about epigenetics through Caroline Leaf's books, Who Shut Off My Brain and Turn On Your Brain. Also, uh, Dr. Bruce Lipton in the, in the book Biology of Belief goes into epigenetics as well. You know, and he says that we've always believed that the cell was driven by the, uh, the, the nucleus, you know, it is the driver of the cell. Now, this guy's a microbiologist. He's at the University of Wisconsin Medical School, which I believe is one of the best in the country. And he's a Darwinist. But he says we've been all wrong. He said we've always believed the nucleus drove the cell, but that's not the case. He says it is the cell membrane that drives. Get it? The cell membrane drives. And so he went on to make this quote. So technically, we're a community of 300 trillion cells, all driven by our environment. And ladies and gentlemen, can I tell you, the most powerful, the most potent, the most critical environment that we find ourselves in is in our heads. Between the stimulus and the response, there's a space. And in that space is our power, it is our freedom. Again, it does not matter what happens to us as much as it matters what happens in us. It's the picture of a a huge sailboat on rough waters. And it says success. You cannot control the wind, but you can adjust yourselves. And today on podcasts, Living Life Like It Matters, we're going into the importance, the power and the implication of being a good mental steward. I am Black, and we'll be right back. Take a listen to these words about Like It Matters Leadership Awakening from a recent attendee. Leadership Awakening is like nothing else. It's incomparable to any other training that I've been through, and that's executive, professional, communication training, to to how to hold a fork. It's the, the Leadership Awakening is a deep mental experience where I was forced to challenge my mind in a way that I've never been challenged before. And it's, there's nothing like it. There's, there's, there's no way to explain it with words. You have to experience it. Leadership Awakening. Change your heart. Change your mind. Change your life. Go to likeitmatters.net slash schedule for the next Leadership Awakening. It's not only changing lives, it's saving lives. That's likeitmatters.net slash schedule. Today on Living Life Like It Matters, 
we're talking about good mental stewardship, that we must be the captain of our ship, that we must be like an immigration officer deciding what comes into our brain, deciding what stays in our experience, and thirdly, deciding what we need to clean up, alter, change, uh, manipulate, form into something that serves us better. Because one of the keys to life is to be consistently uh, framing experiences that allow us to be more resourceful uh, in our interactions and with other people. And so it's key that we are good stewards. The study of epigenetics, and one of my favorite people is Dr. Caroline Leaf, and she says this about what goes on in between the stimulus and the response. She says 75 to 95% of the illnesses that plague us today are a direct result of our thought life. What we think about affects us physically and emotionally. It's an epidemic of toxic emotions. She says, quote, the average person has somewhere between 30 to 60,000 thoughts per day. Through an uncontrolled thought life, we create the conditions for illness. In other words, we actually make ourselves sick. You know, I've been told the body releases 63 known chemicals. And those known chemicals are released based on three things. And those chemicals make us feel. They are what we think about, our breathing, and our physiology. And the most important component is what we think about. Matter of fact, going back to Dr. Caroline Leaf, research shows that fear all on its own triggers more than 1,400 known physical and chemical responses and activates more than 30 different hormones. Think about that. That is powerful. Why do you think in the good book, Our Father, God, told us almost 400 times, do not worry, do not fear, do not fret, because he knows how important it is. Even 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. There are intellectual and medical reasons to forgive, and yet we live in a time where we keep a record of wrong, where we keep a pound of flesh, where we want to go back 400 years ago to what happened to people that look like us. That's just crazy. And there's no forgiveness anymore. What's lacking in America today is not justice. What's lacking in America today might be peace, but it's not because of no justice. We're lacking peace because we lack forgiveness. We're lacking peace because we lack understanding. We lack the ability to walk a mile in someone else's moccasins. We're so wrapped up in me. You know, the whole privilege movement is really the 10th commandment of thou shalt not covet. And we're all wrapped up in what everybody else has and that life ain't no fair and that life is hard and that life is unjust. Man, people, we got to put our, put our big boy pants on, our big girl pants on. Yeah, life's not fair. I mean, read the good book. I study. I eat scripture daily. And reading that good book, the Bible, the good news, I'm going to tell you, it tells clearly two things. Number one, life ain't no fair. I was not born 6'6 six, six and a Kennedy. Uh, man, I'm white. Man, my life would have been so much easier if I was black. I, I, I want to be black all my life. My last name's black, but I wanted my color of my skin to be black because, man, I could have went to some good colleges that I couldn't afford. Uh, man, right now, I'd have my 501c3, uh, Like It Matters, is a registered 501c3, and we struggle to fund it. But, man, if I was a minority, if I was black or a woman, man, I'd have millions of dollars in my 501c3. 
And so we've got to take control of what happens between the stimulus and response. And part of that is letting go of things from the past, learning to forgive. Toxic waste generated by toxic thoughts cause the following illnesses. Diabetes, cancer, asthma, skin problems, allergies, to name just a few. Consciously controlling our thought life, we start to detox our brain. Now, Caroline Leaf says that medical research increasingly points to the fact that thinking and consciously controlling your thought life is one of the best ways, if not the best way, of detoxing your brain. It allows you to get rid of those toxic thoughts and emotions that can consume and control your mind. Change in your thinking is essential to detox in the brain. Consciously controlling your thought life means not letting thoughts rampage through your mind. It means learning to engage interactively and every single thought that you have to analyze it before you decide to either accept it or reject it. Now there's your power. There's your freedom. So think about this. Let's take a personal inventory. How do you go about doing that? by looking at your mental processes. There are patterns in our lives. And whenever you're dealing with pattern, you first must identify the pattern. And then you must ask yourself the simple question, is this getting me what I want? Now the interesting piece of that is that question implicates that you have the answer to another question, which is what do you want? And in 30 years of intensive leadership development, leadership training, I can tell you without a doubt, that most people don't know what they want, but they have a plethora. They give you a list of things they don't want. I don't want to be yelled at. I don't want to be in a dead-end job. I don't want to be in a marriage without passion. I don't want to go to that class. I don't want to be in that room with that man. I don't want to give a speech. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. But what do you want? And what do you want so bad that you're willing to be different than the rest of the world? What do you want so bad that you're willing to hold your thoughts captive? And those things that do serve you well, keep them. And those things that don't serve you well, get rid of them. Trust me, I know. As a little kid, I was beaten on by a drunk man almost daily. Watched my mom being beaten on. And so I know. Boy, it's hard. It's hard when you got all that rage, when you've been put down all your life, when you've been told all your life you're not enough. I don't know about you, but I get tired of not being enough. You know what I'm talking about, right? You're not tall enough. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not black enough. Or you're not white enough. Or you're not gifted enough. Or you're not uh, this enough or that enough. And we start believing that. And then over a lifetime, we start solidifying those beliefs. And they become walls and barriers. We call them blocks to leadership. Uh, in my leadership training, they can read about it, likeitmatters.net. We go in the 20 most common blocks to leadership. And those are belief systems that we created based on experiences. Again, something happens to us. We store that experience. But we don't store the experience. We don't store the experience as it was. We store it as we remember it. Remember that word remember is to put something back together. Think about Mr. Potato Head when we were a little kid. I know it's called Potato Head today, but I'm going to call it what I've always known it as, Mr. Potato Head. And whenever we'd put on the arms and legs back onto Mr. Potato Head, you know what we did to him? We remembered him. You know, to dismember someone is to remove their arms and legs. So to remember them is to put on their arms and legs. In other words, to put it back together again. And I'm going to tell you right now very clearly 
It does not matter what happens to us in life. What matters is the narrative. How do we explain it to ourselves? How do we put it back together? Because we live in a country of victims. We used to be the land of the free, the home of the brave. Now we're the land of the victim and the home of the free lunch. Because victimhood is the greatest way to get things today. If you want to get some money, if you want to get some pity, if you want to get a leg up, if you want to get some affirmative action, if you want to get some reparation, if you want to get to be recompensated, then all you got to do is claim the victim. Matter of fact, we get our DNA tested today. What for? So we can find out what percentage of a victim we are so we can cry and complain and mine and uh, whine and moan. You know, I think we just celebrated the 77th day uh, anniversary, if it will, uh, of D-Day. You talk about some brave men and women. Back then, those are real Americans, real heroes. And today, you look at today's man, you look at today's American, and we're whiny, we're crying, we hold a pound of flesh, we keep a record wrong, and boy, there's a proverb that says, your, your thoughts will dry your bones. And our bitterness, our resentment, our negativity, our feeling sorry for ourselves, boy, it's creating some terrible, terrible things. So we can't just crack open our skull like an egg and have a look at what's going on inside our brain. But it is possible to look at our mental processes. It's not just possible, it's essential. So take a personal inventory this week. Take a look at, consider the following. How many could have, would have, should have statements have you made today? How many if onlys were part of your inner vocabulary this week? How many times have you replayed in your head a conversation or situation that pains you? or one that hasn't even occurred yet. You know, there's a saying out there that worry is paying interest on debt you might not owe. And a lot of people work themselves up, get fret, get fear, get all kinds of stuff. Uh, and it's something that might not even happen. And so we've got to take this inventory. That's what I do in my leadership training at likeitmatters.net. I take you through a 48-hour process. I control everything. You don't have to figure anything out. All you got to do is whatever I put in front of you, just commit to it. Press the go button. And again, you can read about that at likeitmatters.net. But we need to take a personal inventory. Find out what's going on. How much speculation is taken uh, out of our day? How passive is our mind? How often do you check into what's going on in your head? How honest are you with yourself? Are you at cross purposes with yourself, going through the motions, but not really committed to the goal? saying one thing but meaning another. How distorted is your thinking? Are you forming a personal identity around, uh, for example, disease? Do you speak about your arthritis, your multiple sclerosis, your drug addiction? You know, there's something called the logical levels. There are six levels. Uh, the highest level is spirit, and the lowest level is environment. And change takes place from the top down, not from the bottom up. And it's a lot easier to change things on the bottom than it is on the top. And so the, from the bottom up, they are this. They are environment. Above that's behavior. Above that is capabilities. Above that is belief system of values. Above that is identity. And above that is spirit. And so you want to be careful what you attach to your identity. What happens to you is different than who you are. We've all been victimized in our lives, some more than others, I agree. But to make yourself a victim, to attach that to your identity, 
is not acceptable. It will cause you to think things, do things, believe things that are detrimental to you and your experience. So today on Like It Matters Radio, we're talking about being a good mental steward. If you're going to live your life like it matters, then you must be like an immigration officer. And you need to do three things. Number one, control what goes into your experience. Number two, control what stays into your experience. And number three, to change what needs to be changed so that you're more resourceful for yourself and other people. And after our little break, we'll go into detail on all three of those. This is Scott Black of Like It Matters. As many of you know, I have been helping people to be the best they were created to be. COVID-19 has accelerated changes that I have been considering for some time now. Many more people need to receive the benefits of Leadership Awakening. Mental health in our communities is a real issue. We recently received our 501c3 nonprofit status with the emphasis of creating and delivering, taking back your power and your freedom to the least among us struggling with mental health issues. Please help us help others. You can save a marriage, save a business, or a life by supporting Like It Matters with your tax-deductible gifts. All gifts are needed, large, small, and everything in between. Please consider becoming a monthly partner at likeitmatters.net. Give today at likeitmatters.net. And by the way, Like It Matters Leadership Awakening classes will continue. Check out the schedule at likeitmatters.net as we build our training for those suffering from the challenges of poor mental health. God bless you. Today on Living Life Like It Matters, we're talking about being a good mental steward. And at the beginning of this program, I talked about the story about an immigration officer in Canada. And we've got to be like that immigration officer. I don't know if you know this or not, but it's said by the time a child is 17 years old, the typical child has seen 70,000 acts of murder, violence, rape. Through all the TV shows we watch, through all the games we play, through dreams, uh, to movies, all that stuff. And see, your unconscious brain does not separate um, Hollywood from reality. Your unconscious brain treats everything as if. And I'm not going to go into the whole all the rules of the unconscious brain on this show. That's for a different show. But I can tell you so many movies that I never saw. Because the brain does not differentiate. I'm talking about the unconscious brain. Remember, we only use 3 to 5% of our brain consciously. Everything else is at the unconscious level. And so if you're going to make any lasting change, you must do it the way your unconscious brain works. You've got to follow the rules of the unconscious brain because it technically runs the ship. And so one of the things about your unconscious brain, it does not differentiate between Hollywood and reality. Uh, Two years ago, I read from the Irish Journal of Science uh, that 40% of all first-time memories are made up. Again, because your unconscious brain, see, on your right side of your brain, that's where you create. Your left side of your brain, that's where you store. So when you mentally rehearse, when you have a dream, when you lie and creatively, uh, you know, manipulate things in your mind, you create images, you create experiences. Now, even though those experiences are just a thought, once you've created them, they go to the left side of the brain and they're stored as a memory. And again, your unconscious brain does not differentiate between Hollywood and reality. And in my two and a half day intensive training at Leadership Awakening at likeitmatters.net, I take you on a 48 hour journey that changes your life. 
because first of all, I teach you how you work, and then I show you through examples of how we create experience. And once you realize the power that you have between the stimulus and the response, there's a space, and in that space is your power and your freedom. And once you realize that, your life is forever changed. And so I can give you a list of movies that I never saw because I was told there's a brutal rape scene in there. Gentlemen, ladies, I got to be honest with you. I do not find it entertaining to watch a woman being raped. I'm just being honest with you. I don't enjoy it. And so I'm not going to put those images in my head. Again, if I could go back to that little five-year-old me, I told you this at the beginning. If I had a DeLorean or if I was like Michael J. Fox and I could go back in time, I'd get on my knee. I'd look a little five-year-old me in the eyes and I would tell that little me one of the most important things they could ever know. Be careful what you allow into your experience. Because I'm 55 years old and to this day, I am still struggling with things I did 20, 30, 40 years ago because of things I let into my experience. Because once you get things in the head, pictures, words, feelings, boy, it is hard to remove them. But I believe, and this is why I teach it, I believe that when you can learn how to create pictures, words, and feelings in your mind's eye, it's the same skills that needed to change those that don't serve you well. And so first of all, you've got to start limiting what gets into your experience, right? There are five portals of entry. I've been told I'm not a pilot, but I have a lot of friends who are pilots. And they say with two coordinates, you can find any place on this planet, longitude, latitude. Now, experience has five coordinates, right? It's the five sentence, uh, the five senses, sorry. It's visual, what you see, auditory, what you hear, kinesthetic, what you feel or experience, olfactory, what you smell, and gustatory, what you see. Every single memory you have is stored in one or all five of the senses. That's the only way you can store anything. We experience life one time and then it's codified. It's stored in the five senses. The brain is a sensory-based organ. Whether you're studying neuro-linguistic programming, transactional analysis, emotional intelligence, or even multiple intelligences, they will all teach you that the brain is a sensory-based organ. And so start limiting what you're listening to, what you're watching. You, shouldn't, you should be limiting to 30 minutes the most of the news every day. They're just programming you. We are no different than China or Russia and now in, in relation to our media. It's state-run media. They sold out. We learned about four or eight years ago that they're part of the Democratic Party. And so if you want to see someone who can really manipulate, well, look up Joseph Goebbels. Joseph Goebbels said there's no doubt in his mind with the media on his side that he can make an intelligent audience believe that a square is a circle with enough repetitions. And so if you hear enough time that Trump is evil, Trump is stupid, Trump doesn't believe in science, uh, Trump is this, then when the media, you know, the three major networks <coughs> and all the little cable shows for 24-7 for four years, tell you that he's a Russian spy, he's this, he's racist, he's homophobic, he's cisgender, whatever, whatever they are, you start believing it. Because what you listen to over and over, you believe. That's how you work. You don't get to choose that. That's how the system called the human body, the human brain works. Remember, we're a three-part being. 
Just like animals, we live on the, uh, I'm sorry, just like plants, we live on the physical plane. Just like animals, we live on the physical and mental slash social plane. But we have a third plane, which is the spiritual plane that we possess all by ourselves. And so we must deal with the body because it's a machine. You're going to follow the rules. We must deal with the, the mind, the psyche, because the psyche drives the body. And we must deal with the spirit because each one of us is an eternal being. I don't care if you believe in God or not. There's a spirit residing inside that carbon-based life form that you call the body. You're not the body. That's just your vehicle. That's your tent. That's your tabernacle. You're the spirit that possesses that body. And so you've got to be the steward of what you let into your experience. What are you watching? What are you listening to? What are you reading? Is it negative and bitter? Is it make you a victim? Is it make you angry and upset? Stop it. Because it's all propaganda anyways. It's hard to even find the truth out there anymore. Truth has become relative. You know, you could be a boy, but you identify as a girl. You can be a white person, but you identify as a black person. You can be straight, but you identify as, as fluid, fluid. I mean, it's crazy. You know, just because you're at McDonald's doesn't make you a Big Mac. Just because you hang out every morning at a donut shop doesn't make you an apple fritter. But what you think about does dictate so much. Because the good Lord put the eyes in the front of our face because we look in the direction we're moving and we move in the direction we're looking. That's why the unconscious brain, you have something called the reticular activating system, the brain's focal center. It's like your remote control. Whatever you set it to, you see more often. So take control of what you allow in your experience. Number two, take control of what you keep in your experience because there's a lot of stuff in your head that you allowed in there before that you never wanted in there, so get it out. You got to learn how the unconscious brain works. If there's pictures there, go blue screen, do the etch sketch shake it off, right? If there's auditory there, you got to replace it with something else. Hit the mute button. If there's kinesthetic feelings, find out what triggers the feeling and then do what's called a swish and change it from one thing to another. It's like when a train goes in a switching yard, a switching station. If it goes, if it nothing happens, it goes on the same path. But if you pull that lever, you change tracks. And at one point you go from one track to another. That's how you deal with things, which brings us to the third thing as the immigration officer of our brain, as the mental steward of what happens in our experience. We need to be able to reframe. Reframe is very important. So the frame is the way in which a thing is put together and established order to shape to form. Reframing is to frame anew, to reshape. You've got to understand again that we are little meaning makers. If you study logotherapy, Dr. Viktor Frankl, and logotherapy is all about man's will to meaning. Why do you think little kids ask all the time, why daddy, why daddy, why daddy? Because we're looking to connect dots. If A, then B, we call those belief systems. And we create those. Matter of fact, it's said that by the time a child is six years old, a majority of their map of reality, their belief systems are in place. So sometimes we gotta frame things and reframe them. Frames give meanings to words. 
It changed our internal representation. The meaning of any experience in life depends upon the frame we put around it. Nothing in the world has any meaning. How we feel about something and what we do in the world are dependent upon our perception of it. If we perceive something as a liability, that's the message we deliver to our brain. Then the brain produces states that make it the reality. If we change our point of view by looking at the situation as an opportunity, we change the way we respond to situations in life. It's called a reframe. And again, the key to success in life is to consistently represent your experience in ways that support you in producing even greater results for yourself and others. So there's lots of different ways to reframe. As a counselor, I help people take an emotional experience and reframe it, right? It's powerful. It's called life events. Identify memories that cause an unresourceful state and replace with new memories to cause a resourceful state. Outcome reframing. Outcome, whenever you hear the word outcome, you're talking about goal getting. I teach goal getting, and there's six elements to a well-formed goal. I'm not going to go into those now. But the third one is simple reframing. Remember, no one responds to what happens to us. We respond to our explanation, our narrative of what happens to us. That's where simple reframing comes in. Because we believe what we tell ourselves over and over. And so if you tell yourself over and over, my supervisor yells at me all the time, you start feeling like you have no value, like everybody's always yelled at you. But no, you just reframe it. My supervisor really believes in my potential. He's constantly pushing me. You see, it's just a different explanation, a different narrative. How about this one? I learned this as a kid. We can't afford to spend a lot of money on Christmas presents this year. It could make you sad thinking about that. It could make you feel like you don't have enough, that you're, you know, everybody else is more privileged than you. You can feel like a victim. Poor me. Wah, 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 right? But maybe, like as I was a poor white kid when I grew up, say this year we're going to really focus on the true meaning of Christmas. You can't purchase any gifts. Only gifts that are made will be given out this year. How about this one? I know it's a hard sell. I have to pay 4000 more in taxes this year. You could reframe that. Man, what a great year I had. I made so much more money. I get to pay $4,000 more in taxes. I know. I said earlier, that's a hard sell. And how about this one? Every time I begin to succeed in a big way, I sabotage myself. See, we are little meaning makers. And we are self-fulfilling prophecies. And if we believe something, we'll act as if. If you've been told all your life you're a liar, you'll act as if you're a liar. If you've been told all your life you're a waste of life, you'll act as if you're a waste of life. you got to be careful. And so that belief system, every time I begin to succeed in a big way, I sabotage myself. Well, that's when it calls upon the ultimate reframe. And the ultimate reframe is up until now. See, up until now puts a scratch in that CD. It breaks the LP. It pulls on the 8-track. You've got to interrupt the programming. Every single person is working perfectly. I didn't say you were perfect. We're getting exactly the results we've programmed ourselves to get. And so we got to use cognitive reframing for the betterment of our life and the betterment of our mental health. And the essential idea behind reframing is that a person's point of view depends on the frame it is viewed in. When the frame is shifted, the meaning changes, and thinking and behavior often change along with it. Another way to understand the concept of reframing is to imagine looking through the frame of a camera lens. The pictures seen through the lens can be changed to a view that is closer or further away. By slightly changing what is seen in the camera, the picture is both viewed and experienced differently. So again, some examples of reframing. 
Let's say in a family therapy session, a person complains bitterly that their parent is overly involved in their life, constantly nagging them about what should be done uh, in attempting to shift this person's negative view of their parent. The therapist offers this reframe. Isn't it loving of your parent to teach you ways to take care of yourself so you'll be prepared to live on your own without her? See, it's the way we explain it to ourselves. Remember, between the stimulus and the response, there's a space, and in that space is our power and our freedom. The mind is six times faster than we can talk. And so what happens is we put value on it. We put meaning on what has happened to us, what someone said or did. And that meaning, that purpose that we put on that makes us feel because it makes the body release chemicals. How about uh, a teen is upset that they didn't make the team, okay? So the therapist asks this person what positive things could come from not making the team. And that person then is able to say that they will have more free time and with enough practice might be able to make the team next year and can focus on other things that might be more important right now. Because most people aren't going to play professional sports. So it's one of those things that if you get to do it, great. If not, it's really not going to impact the rest of your life. Most people 10 years removed from high school or college uh, aren't thinking about what they did and didn't do in college outside of their field of degree. I'll not one more example of a reframe, and then we'll close this out. A boy says to his mother, uh, he has ruined his life by taking away his smartphone privileges, right? Let's say a child was caught texting while driving or, or sexting, whatever. So a therapist talks about the dangers of texting while driver and the reasons his parents may want to teach them not to do that. Also, the dangers of sexting and what it does and how it comes back. So again, you you got to reframe it, put it in a positive light. It's going to cause damage in the future. It's going to cause some embarrassment. It's all these things. So this is our power. And what we got to do is we got to get in the game because we are conscious creatures. But the problem is we're running around unconsciously. Remember, we only use three to five percent of our brain consciously. The rest is at the unconscious level. And when I say people work perfectly. I don't mean you are perfect. There was only one perfect. His name is Jesus. What I'm saying is we're getting exactly the results we have programmed ourselves to get. So if you don't like the results, change the approach. As you change the approach, you change the results. That's why we do this podcast every Monday and Thursday. Every Monday is story time with Mr. Black to inspire you to change your state of mind with a good story. And then Thursdays are a full podcast episode like today's. All right, I'll talk to you on Monday. You have been listening to Mr. Black, Master Trainer for Like It Matters. Please find us on Facebook by searching LIM Radio. Make sure to follow us, like our posts, and share with others. Also, search YouTube for Like It Matters. Be sure to like and subscribe to our channel. And for more information on how we can help you live life like it matters, go to likeitmatters.net where you can find more information on our transformational training, our life coaching, counseling, our radio show, and other ways we help you continue the journey of living life like it matters.